Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's another Overreaction Monday here in the Doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Doghouse, sponsored by Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm your host, David Murray, and like you, I'm overreacting to the weekend that was for Mississippi State. Or should I say again, the weekend that wasn't. Yes, the streak is over. Mississippi State has won a baseball game in the Southeastern Conference. So, for the first time since April of 2022, let that sink in, Mississippi State has won a conference game. Good. I, you, you take wins. Wins or wins. You, ta- you love them. However, it was still another lost weekend for the Diamond Dogs, and they are still tied for last place in the SEC both overall and in the Western Division. So nothing good to say about that other than, A, they did win a game and proved to themselves they can do that. And, B, there were enough individual plays made and, at times, some good team play to think this bunch has possibilities. And we talked about it a lot last week that the roster is way more talented than the record is showing there. Uh, We'll delve more into that this week as well because it's obvious there's plenty of talent on this roster to go out and win more games than are winning right now. To be a contender, well, that's a whole other story. But still, there is enough horsepower on this team to win a heck of a lot more than just one SEC game out of nine shots against SEC East teams. Yes, the East has taken off a running lead, although how much of that is simply the fact that, yeah, they played Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and that's allowed them to pile up the victories and run away to a lead. Whereas over here in the Western Division, 6-3 and three ties you for it. And oh, by the way, Mississippi State starts SEC West play this weekend. If is isn't enough to already make you feel good about the state of the program, here comes divisional play for the Bulldogs. Well, don't want to be snarky because there's nothing to be funny about. I, I recognize that when Chris Lamona said the other night that we're close. I know what he meant because I've been around coaches long enough to understand these things. I guarantee it did not cross his mind to think how it sounded to the public, and nor should it. If you're playing PR games at this point, you got bigger issues. You just talked about as best you can, you're straightforward, honest, and then you just got to take care of your own team and let the fans take care of themselves. But 1-8 SEC, that's the story. Mississippi State now, as said, is tied for the cellar. They have fallen further and further behind in the race to get to the SEC tournament, never mind the NCAA tournament, although, oddly enough, State's RPI took a serious jump of something like eight points this week just by playing South Carolina and winning one game. If that doesn't show you the vagaries of RPI, I don't know what else does. But, uh, of course, NCAA, that's not even a thought at this point. It's getting some conference wins in there, getting to the point where you feel like you can contend for Hoover and let the rest of it take care of itself. Oh, and speaking of taking care of things, let's take care of our obligatory announcement about BetOnline, our sponsor. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your college betting this season, even if the season does end tonight. Uh, Get every analysis of the plays, the props, and the points at BetOnline. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at BetOnline. Updated odds for everything from live games, the championships, right through tonight's title contest. I don't know if they did anything on the NIT, but I'm sure if you needed it, you can find it from BetOnline as well. Because BetOnline is your college basketball headquarters this season, 
which is coming to an end soon. And I, I say that, keep in mind, too, that the season for Chris James and his bunch still continues because they're working on recruiting uh, for next season. But as far as Bet Online is concerned, head to the website today and use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, all caps B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts, and with Major League Baseball under the way, that is the way to start your game there. Uh, so, all I'll say is any of you out there who make bets on baseball, you're a wiser or braver or crazier person than I am because just too much goes wrong in a game like baseball. So, have fun with it. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Unsolicited advice there. Unsolicited advice to Chris Lamonis and team. Well, nothing I can say is going to add to anything that the coach made pretty clear over the weekend. To, to grossly oversummarize, offensively, the Bulldogs have enough pieces to be competitive. And they were. They were only outscored by one run by South Carolina over the weekend. Uh, you don't want to be outscored, of course. But, hey, after the Kentucky and Vanderbilt series, which were lopsided blowouts both ways, to play it within one run, that's progress. You saw Chris Lamona shake up the batting order, the defensive order as well. I say moving Kellum Clark to leadoff, the result was four base hits in two games. He did get in the RBI, but he scored. So it sounds like the leadoff man was doing his job there. Shuffling Amani Larry and Colton Ledbetter down a spot. Uh, Hunter Hines staying in the slugging position. That paid off some good stats as well. The offense, it's it's good enough to be competitive, keep you in games, even take some leads. And State did lead on Friday night. Uh, they won Friday, I mean. They led Thursday night and was in position to play much better on Saturday than it turned out. That game just totally got away in the last couple of innings, thanks to the bullpen, which will be our major focus coming up soon. But you see, at least offensively, even though that has been the, relatively speaking, strong point for this team, Lamonis and Jake Gotro are not hesitating to make moves, to try things, to, to switch people around, whether it's in the order, whether they're batting left-right, what they're doing in the combinations there compared to previous season. Now, when you're six weeks into the season and you're doing these wholesale moves like that, yeah, it shows that you're trying to figure something out fast, almost I don't want to use the word desperate, except that I just did. But it says that you've got the personnel there, and now there's more of it because with Bryce Chance, who missed the South Carolina weekend coming back, with Dakota Jordan heating up, and boy, did he over the weekend, what, 7 of 11, uh, what, 6 runs, I think, drove in 3 and hit what Lamonis called the longest home run he's ever seen off the loft side in left field. The raw ability of Dakota Jordan is staggering. You just sit there and think, just what is he going to be capable of with more time in the college baseball system? You look at what um, Slate Alford did, a guy who'd been struggling much of the season, certainly defensively, comes in and has a great at-bat in Thursday's loss, comes back and is the star in Friday's victory hitting. Some pieces are getting well or finding their niche there. It's forcing some moves because then how do you figure what you're going to do with catcher in first base? Well, it makes it a little easier when Ross Highfield goes over nine in his two starts 
And that's ironic because his big question coming into the year was the work behind the plate, not at the plate. But here he is hitting a freshman slump here at the uh, start of April. I think that showed up against some pretty good South Carolina pitching, which just kept the ball down, down, down. When Mississippi State pitching kept the ball up, up, and away, and gone way too often there. Point being that you've got some guys in this order that you can just see it there. Uh, One of the great ironies of the weekend, take Hunter Hines. Good, solid average of the weekend. Drove in a bunch of runs. Made some good contacts. And yet, he was the one who took the call third strike on Thursday to end the game. And, of course, fans and message boards going berserk on that. And I I rarely try to defend players in that situation. I will say that it was a good pitch. It was a strike. But he just looked overmatched and not quite ready for that situation, which is odd, but it happens. I say that simply to remind that every individual on this team, as talented as they are, is still, in some extent, a work in progress. They're not all as raw as I mentioned, Dakota Jordan, but there's still things need to be polished and developed to become the complete ball players they need to be offensively and defensively. You see them getting a little closer each week, and then you see them make mistakes each week. As much as I praise Jordan, remember how he got the one-out base hit when State really needed to start a rally in the first game and takes off for second base and, and doesn't even slide, just does a pop-up there where the infielders able to slap him on the helmet just terrible form on that it's the sign of a guy who never really had to learn the super fine points at the high school level and now here he is having to figure these things out develop them and put them into practice in the game he will but there's going to be pain along the way that's just the nature of how it works with baseball and most young players Sure, you get the occasional superstar that right out of the box is able to play as a freshman and do everything right not everybody's going to be uh, Rafael Palmero. And it also helps, too, when you're surrounded by great players top to order that can make things easier on you and you're not under the pressure to be that guy. Eventually, Dakota Jordan, he will be that guy. You just look and see this kid is going to be amazing if he sticks to it and learns what he needs to learn about playing just plain baseball at the college level. Well, I've wandered down that side trail, but I want to apply that. You know, Hunter Hines, who's a second-year guy, watches that ball, and it's it's it was a situation where a guy was looking for a pitch and didn't get the pitch he expected and got the strike. Okay, it happens. Maybe next year it doesn't happen. You know, and because even some of the veterans, I mentioned Kellum Clark succeeding at the leadoff position there. He still had a couple of... Uh, sit-downs in crunch situations in previous games when he came up later in the order and was there to keep innings alive or to extend something or to produce big runs. Uh, Same thing for Luke Hancock. You can't argue with their averages. You can't argue with the fact that they do produce in other at-bats. It's just getting some guys consistent. You're never going to have an old order that's consistent all the way through, but you're looking for guys to just every game by game by game make a play or two here and there at the plate, and just be consistent and a regular threat. And what it does for the rest of the batting order cannot be statistically measured, but you see it and you know it's there. I think they're close. Now, they've got to do it against SEC pitching, 
Alabama is going to be a test in as far as that regard. But if there's a weekend set up for Mississippi State to make a rebound, I think this trip to Alabama is going to be it. And, of course, it's also a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. So you're not going to change too much about the rotation as far as days. But it may still change because now Cade Smith is back healthy. He's able to get a few innings in in relief the other day. And so now does he return to that leadoff role in the rotation that he had back in February? Do you stick with uh, Gerangelo Sanja as your ace at this point? He's another guy that just points out, maybe almost epitomizes the talents of the staff of the team as a whole. When he is on, he's amazing. And then he'll have a stretch where he loses control, especially against right-handers. Everything's up and away, out of the zone, not even forcing a guy to swing. That, to me, sums up just watching him pitch that Thursday night game was the highs and lows of what you see from talented individual players who are still learning how to be baseball players at this level. So my question then is, after throwing 96 pitches on Thursday, do you stay with him in the Thursday roll this week? Or do you now put a healthy Cade Smith out there? Do you maybe make them a co-starter of sorts? I don't know that they would move Landon Garvin up. He only threw 82 pitches in Friday's game, so he could probably skip a day on his rest and pitch on Thursday if he's needed to. I'm sure that uh, Scott Foxhall and Mamonis would rather leave him in the game two role, and that sets up what do you do with Nate Dome. In a lot of ways, he is State's best pitcher. But is he a true starting pitcher? I don't know. I think he's a guy that if he develops the endurance, he could be your slam dunk Sunday guy or game three guy as the weekend may develop as it goes on. But he's so valuable coming out of the pen, as Steve Robertson was writing today. Well, you get Cade Smith back. You've still got Gartman and Sanya. So do you have Dome as kind of your swing guy? By which I mean, if you need something to slam the door in game one, you bring him in in relief and maybe have him ready to throw again by Sunday in relief. If you don't have to use him, do you put him in a starting role for the third game, even the second game? You have options now that Smith is returning to that. And Aaron Nixon, yes, he finally got back into action last week. His Sunday, I'm sorry, his Saturday pitching, it showed that he has been off his game a while, not able to work full speed, full competition, because he begins with a walk, hits a batter. In fact, uh, everybody state put up in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, gave a free base to start the inning, and that ended up being what broke the Bulldogs back in game three and prevented them from having a shot at winning the series. But what I mean is, He's going to be back to full strength soon. And and that's why I can't just give up on this team entirely. Uh, take Graham Eintma. Now that he's found, it looks like, his niche as your left-handed guy out of the bullpen, instead of forced into a starting role, he can thrive there. You saw what Evan Sieri did in relief. And now that Bradley Lofton is going to be in the mix, I have not, as this is recorded on Monday, early afternoon, State has not announced the pitching plans for Tuesday's game of Grambling. Does it really matter? It, honest to goodness, doesn't matter who they throw out there. You could throw anybody and still have them ready for the Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. But if Lofton gets his walks under control, 
And that's amazing to think that your midweek guy is actually has your worst ratio of walks to anybody else on the staff right now, and yet he's got great strikeout figures. When he's on his game, he's really on. So now you have the option of moving him into the weekend role as well. Uh, do you bring Evan Sierra back as kind of a starter for midweek? Do you keep him in relief? What do you do with these guys? And that's a big question mark for Scott Foxhole to figure out as far as individually. Speaking of Foxhall, though, and no, Chris Lamonis was not calling him by name. But if you were listening to the post-game radio, not his regular press conference, but his post-game radio, Lamonis said something that really just grabbed both my ears and pulled him when he said the pitching staff has just gotten too fancy in situations where they should be finishing guys off, particularly in the bullpen. Well, now, A, that's not huge news because we saw that as early as last season. This bullpen was good at getting ahead of guys, terrible at finishing them off. This season has amplified that trend, but even more so, now they're not even getting ahead of guys to start innings off. Like I mentioned, just the game three with South Carolina, but you can translate this over to several games. State has a really bad ratio in baseball terms of putting the first guy of any inning on base. Now, sometimes it's a fluke, like South Carolina just popped up that very first pitch. It goes out because they rode the wind. Was it uh, Kentucky series that something like that happened or, or Vanderbilt? I'm trying to remember which ones. But, yes, State's given up first pitch home runs and then uh, several more first inning home runs. So they tend to be slow starters in that regard. But at least they're going into the zone where it can be hit. The problem with the bullpen, and sometimes the starters, the games go on, they don't attack the strike zone, or as Lamonis called it, they get too fancy. Nibble, 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 and all of a sudden you've walked a batter on, or you've hit him. State's totals of walks given is just numbing at this point. And, you know, we, we like to talk about a full season SEC stats, but now that you've got nine games for everybody, I think it's a little more telling to look at just conference stats only. And let's see if I can find the right column here so far. Let me just throw some of the most ridiculous numbers at you. Yeah, State by far has allowed the most walks in the SEC, 60. 60 walks in nine SEC games. You can't win like that, and obviously State is not winning like that. And because... It's not solely because of walks, but largely because of walks, which are on the pitcher. That's why State's earn run average in converts play is 12.46. Yeah, I said 12 point, not 1.2, but 12.46. The next worst ERA in the conference is 916, and that's Georgia. State has the worst batting average against, although only by a point this time. As far as... uh, State also, strikeouts, again, are still good. 88, third best in the conference play. So State's able to get guys down, but usually at the end of long at-bats, which add up to your pitch count, and also give the batters more time to get a read on you, which is why State has given up the most hits of any pitching staff in the conference, the most runs, and that's not close. 113 runs in this SEC game so far compared to 84 by Auburn. And the earned runs is even worse. 102 earned runs. 
So you can't just say it's the defense. Yes, the defense is often at fault. The defense, is it's just not good. We know that. Just take it and run with it from there. But when you're giving up that many earned runs, that's not on the defense. That's on the pitching. So you're giving up all these earned runs already and compounded it by the fact that your defense is not reliable. Oh, yeah, and by the way, uh, State is 13 wild pitches, 17 hit batsmen, which is as good as a walk statistically. You're just putting too many guys on base without making them work for it, and especially towards the ends of games. Uh, By the way, State doesn't have the worst defense in the SEC, at least not in conference game only. Tennessee, believe it or not, is about 20 points worse. Well, (laughs) I think the State would swap places with the Vols as far as the record goes at this point anyway. But the point holds. The Bulldogs are just struggling defensively. That doesn't do great things for the defense's confidence. And yet here they are still giving up the runs, and especially giving up runs late. And that's why the South Carolina series got away. I mean, yeah, the Gamecocks were slugging the ball. They were always a threat to put it out. But State leads midway of the first game. Of course, they run rule South Carolina. And talk about the irony of that, that a team that had been giving up so many runs, their first victory comes by a run rule. And then on top of that, their tight game going into the final innings on game three, and it just totally gets away at that point. So you can see where State certainly has a lot going for them. But they don't finish, whether it's at the plate, getting those uh, extra RBI in the 6th, 7th, 8th innings, which really change the game, force the other team out of their game plan, or it's on the mound where the other team knows, hey, just get some guys on base, whether by walks or plunkings or hits, and we have a chance to come back on them. State's just going to struggle in those regards. Now, defensively, Lamonis and his staff have tried just about everything so far. I apologize for the voice. Some of the congestion is coming back to haunt me right here. But, of course, third base remains in uh, in flux. Uh, Slate Alford looked like after one great game, and for that matter, a really great at-bat in Thursday's loss to keep the game alive, that maybe he was going to lock up third base just based on his bat alone. Well, still, you're coming back with other guys at the third base position because you're just not comfortable with what you have out there. And I suspect that's going to go on for quite a while unless Mississippi State just opts to go pure offense and uh, allow for the errors because no matter who's there, the errors are coming anyway. So just try to make up for it offensively. But you've also seen some moves. Um, Of course, catcher, I mentioned Highfield struggled at the plate, but he's developing as a catcher. He's certainly the long-term answer at catcher. Do you take him out right now and put Luke Hancock back behind the plate? Well, it really hasn't mattered in one regard. State's given up more steals than anybody in the conference and not by a small margin either. So both pitchers and catchers are not controlling the running game there. I I really don't think defense can be the deciding factor anymore in what kind of lineup State decides to put out there. you just got to get your best offensive players, your best ball players, period. Obviously, with exception, Lane Forsythe is going to be the shortstop because there is no other shortstop in this team to really count on. Other than that, you're just going to put your best ball players out there as best you can day by day by day, depending on how you work the designated hitter, first baseman, catcher, third base. Um, now that Jordan has shown what he can do, well, the return of Bryce Chance to help means another option at third base, of course. 
because Bryce Chance needs to play. He's the team's leading batter despite missing the weekend against South Carolina. But as a guy like uh, Dakota Jordan just keeps coming on, you can't not play him. He's going to have his slumps. He's going to have his struggles, but he's too good not to play. You have to play the Amani Larrys. You have to play the Colton Ledbetters. you got to stick with the Kellum Clarks. And by the way, congratulations to him and how he hit in the leadoff role. Uh, what's ironic is a guy who has so much speed only has one stolen base so far. He's just not getting in positions to take off and run that much, but you know he can. So what looks like an odd move on the surface is actually kind of natural in that regard. Uh, you've seen Lane Forsythe move up to the eight hole and high fill to nine or whatever they're going to do at the catcher position as well. My point being, Mississippi State staff is not sitting on any particular game plan or scheme. They're using everybody they have. They're mixing them in. They're trying to get pitches for the right guys, matchups. They're just trying to figure out whatever they can do whenever they can do it. And there's enough talent, as I keep saying, to make it work. But at some point, all that talent has to become production. A lot of that's going to come down to confidence. I'm really concerned at 1-8, and eight, what's going to happen to the team's psyche. Now, they can solve a lot of things by having a big weekend at Alabama, and that's certainly possible. Then you've got the home weekend with Ole Miss, and who knows how that turns out. You've got the two SEC cellar dwellers at this point playing. Now, they both got off the schneid, so any chance that the um, diamond dog version of the hard of the egg bowl would be for somebody's first win got mooted over the weekend thankfully for both that pressure's off now you're just playing to win the series straight up and you may be playing for hoover in fact too Uh, by the way i think i mentioned it last week but it's worth repeating that uh, a couple years ago what 2019 a team did make it to the sec tournament with just eight regular season conference wins it can be done the problem is right now Getting to eight wins when you're already one and eight and you have, what now, 21 conference games left? Well, first off, if you can't win seven of 21 the rest of the way, you don't deserve to consider Hoover. That's just my blunt opinion. In fact, uh, I could venture to that sometime in May I'll vent a little bit about how Hoover's too big anyway. Instead of 12 teams, cut it back to 10. Cut it back to eight. But that's a rant for another day. At this point, let's just stick to what we have. Mississippi State, playing its, playing for its postseason life, and by postseason I mean the SEC tournament, not the NCAAs. We can't, we can't even start thinking about the NCAAs anymore. It's just past that point. It's getting conference wins. You've got your first conference victory now. The time is you've got to go out and win your first conference series And frankly, it really, really needs to be this weekend. Otherwise, I don't know what happens. Uh, Is there pressure on the coaching staff? Sure. I mean, they put most of it on themselves. But with a new athletic director, you never know how things are going to work out, especially at consecutive seasons, not going to the conference tournament, never mind the NCAAs. I still think Clear Simonis is in good shape no matter what happens this season. Well, I shouldn't say no matter what if they lose all 10 series. Well, then that's a different matter. But it's another reason why this team needs to start winning some series, just to remove that from the table and stop that being a conversation anywhere but on message boards. Just get it out of the way. Win some games. Solve that. But more to the point, in the course of winning those games, start putting all the individual talents that we see 
into effect. Now, again, I'm not saying this is the 89 lineup of ball players or even the 2016 team, but there is still, you, you look at the lineup and they go out there or at the batting order, even the pitching staff, you watch them play. And when they're doing things well, you can say without hesitation, that is a roster with enough talent to win. Why are they not winning? Because they haven't figured out how to win yet. That started last year. It's carried on into this year. And they just have not figured out how to win simple baseball games. Well, it's throw strikes. You know, very interesting comment by Lamonis too, when he talked about being fancy. He said he doesn't care if the team's hitting moonshots. Well, of course he cares, but you get the point. If you're going to get beat, get beat by the team knocking the ball out when you put a pitch in the strike zone. Don't get beat by giving free bases away, steals, errors, all those things that just make it too easy for the team. Make them earn it. If they earn it, so be it. Then you go out and recruit a better ball team. But State has got players. They should not be where they're at, but this is where they are. The record doesn't lie. The record tells you who you are. So it's time for these individuals to play as a team again. And the magic answer to that, well, if I knew it, I'd be a coach. Because we've got professional coaches out there who've been doing this for decades themselves, and they're not able to figure out how to get this done. That's the nature of it. And part of it, too, I will say the margins are so fine. As badly as State played in these first nine SEC games, they're still dominating out-of-conference play against lesser teams, as an SEC team should. Now, that weekend in Texas totally got away from them, and looking at the RPIs and others, there's not much excuse for losing to Ohio State, but they did. And that's a sign, again, of a team that just doesn't have the confidence in themselves that they're going to make the pitch, the hit, the defensive play at the right time to make things happen. The 2021 team had it. Previous teams had it. These last two teams don't have that. They've lost whatever it is, that faith, that inner confidence that when the ball comes my way, I'm going to do something with it, whether it's offense or defense. They just don't seem to have that. But the glorious thing about baseball is it can turn around for absolutely no freaking reason at all. A team that is struggling can all of a sudden click and do what they did Friday night and beat a good South Carolina team by a run rule. By hitting, by playing defense, by pitching. They've shown they can do it in spots. Can they do it for consecutive days? Can they do it for a whole series? Can they put two weekends together? Well, that's a tall task to ask right now, but it's what good teams in the conference do, and Mississippi State is supposed to be a good team. The history is still there. It still matters when other teams play the team that has an MS on their cap. They still play like it's the old Mississippi State. Well, now it's time for these guys to play like the old Mississippi State themselves and get back to winning ball games. All right. So we should just real quickly, of course, Mississippi State held a football scrimmage over the weekend. Um, not really. A, it was a practice field scrimmage, so not the kind that we have a lot of stats on or information on, but plenty of reporting on it from our crew from Jeans Page 24-7. 
I need to mention, too, that the ticket renewal order deadline was this past Friday, March 31st. We've got an interview planned with Mike Ritchie from the Bulldog Club and ticket office sometime next week to update on where ticket sales plan stood after the deadline, what the plans are going ahead when, of course, individual sales start later this summer. But kind of get an idea of where things stand. All reports are good, but I want to have some numbers as well to back it up because it's easier to uh, claim these things until you have some numbers to show it. But a lot of faith that just the fact that Zach Arnett has already struck a chord with Bulldog Nation. He's brought in a bunch of good assistant coaches that have people excited, especially as they watch their scrimmage results from Kevin Barbe's offense and hear what Matt Brock has to say about his defensive team. There's a lot to get fired up about Bulldog football as well at this point. Of course, basketball, I mentioned Tolu Smith declaring for the draft, but he still has left the door open to return, so that's a big guessing game for Chris Jans and his bunch for the next couple of weeks. And I tell you what, if you're able to bring Tolu Smith back, that is the best piece of recruiting done by Mississippi State since, well, since last year when Chris Jans convinced Tolu Smith to come back for another season. If he does it for a consecutive season, by golly, this Jans guy, he has got it. Whatever it is, he's got it to keep guys coming back to Mississippi State and playing to win basketball games. Yeah, covered a little bit of ground there for those teams, mostly on baseball, but that's, of course, the season we're in and what we do. So we appreciate you checking in on the Doghouse. Of course, check out our sponsor, betonline.ag, and check get your 50% welcome bonus on your first bet. Uh, code word BLEAV, all caps, B-L-E-A-V. So that's our report for today. We apologize for our voice and the coughing so far. Trying to reason with the pollen season is always a little difficult in these corners, but that's a result of growing up on a Mississippi farm with no sinuses to show for it. But what we do have to show is this show as we talk about Bulldog sports here in the Doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks for checking in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.